0: Hello and welcome back to Good Boss. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to tune in this week. Today, I am so ready to learn and honestly expose my weakest business links. I am chatting with Mina from Imsi Creative, a digital marketing agency. And I think often as creatives, there are these areas of business that we struggle with a lot because, you know, we might go to uni and learn all about the creative stuff or we might be self-taught and not actually even touch on all the business marketing side of things. So I am super keen to learn more about this today. So MT Creative, as I was mentioning, is based out of Melbourne. It's been running for six years and has worked for brands in the likes of Nimble, which I love, such a cute activewear brand by the Mm -hmm. way, Adidas, Fitbit, Bianco and many more. So Mina, thanks for being on Good Boss this week.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: So I'm not sure if you are aware, but I do start every episode with hearing some kind of story from my guests about something that's happened in their, you know, business journeys. And obviously you've been your own boss for a long time now, So I'm, and you you know, dealing with these huge marketing campaigns and everything. So I'm sure you have an interesting story to share with us.
1: Ah, uh, God, do I have a few? Uh, <laughs> I absolutely do. Uh, one one that sticks out for me, probably because it's very traumatizing, um, oh, is no. a couple of years ago I learned uh, the the hard way, the very hard way, that I should never listen to music and write it simultaneously. That's clearly not a skill. That's that's not something I can do. Um, now, now, before I go on to tell the rest of this story, do not judge my taste in music. We can do that privately. Um, I was listening to Justin Timberlake's Sexy Back and I was emailing, working late and emailing a potential new client, a marketing proposal, and in the subject line I wrote sexy proposal <laughs> and I sent it before I <laughs> Oh and I sent it before I realized and <laughs> it was out in the interwebs and I I was mortified naturally and I followed it up immediately just apologizing profusely trying to explain what happened trying to explain that I wasn't drunk. Um, luckily for me <laughs> the, the client had a sense of humor and didn't think I was a total creep uh, so luckily that ended well but I've learned the very hard way not to ever listen to but particularly not when writing important content.
0: It's just done in silence now. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Sexy proposal coming your way. I would have loved it if he replied and was like sexy reply coming right back at you. You know, if you just like played on to it. <laughs> that is hilarious. Do you do you I ever know. like listen to podcasts while you work or just nothing?
1: I I do listen to podcasts I find that I can listen to podcasts but music is a definite no no my brain seems to just pick up whatever is whatever lyrics are being played into my ear and straight into whatever I'm writing so that is just (laughs) off off limits now this is also probably why I remember I tend to like my brain like a sponge when it comes to music lyrics I hear a song once and I can sing it back at you the next day. So that's probably why, but Mm. we're just going to avoid listening to music and working from now on.
0: (laughs) Fair enough. Lesson learned. Oh, that is so funny. I pray to God that that, never happens to me because I just I don't know how I would come back from that um so <laughs> try and make sure you listen
1: to a good song where yeah.
0: it does happen <laughs> no no song with the lyrics sexy in it would be preferable no. <laughs> um so as I mentioned you've been running MZ Creative for quite a bit of time now but I would love to know what is your background how did you kind of become passionate about all things digital marketing
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, essentially, I majored in marketing when I was at uni a long, long time ago. And out of uni, I got my first job in um, in retail marketing, and it was in house for an appliance company. Now, this was really the stage where when when I went to uni, digital marketing wasn't covered at all. There was just absolutely no mention of digital platforms. So. Um, I found that a lot of what I was coming across that was you know Instagram was a thing back then, but brands weren't on Instagram yet. So Facebook was Facebook advertising wasn't a thing. So I found myself kind of learning on the job and just being super interested about the effect this was having on consumers and how people were responding to all of these digital platforms and essentially how it was changing the, the marketing landscape entirely. So I spent a couple of years um, in-house with the appliance company and then from there I moved into an agency environment. So that was once again, just completely different. Mm -hmm. And it was my introduction into working with various clients on rotating projects. And I think that's where I essentially discovered that that's the the sort of working um, style that I thrived in. So what what happened there is I, I had my I had my gripes with it, right? There is a lot in the agency model that feels very impersonal. So I always I always sort of have this moment where I go when people ask me what I do, I hate saying that I run a creative or marketing agency because I always want to follow it up with it's not the traditional agency style. Like that's <laughs> exactly why I left that, that world and that's why I hate the cookie cutter approach. Wow. But I always had dreams of, of going solo and starting my own creative agency with a difference. But they were always very future dreams. Um, and then I got thrown a curveball and I got made redundant. So uh, this is, I guess, when I decided to expedite the idea that I had in my head. And I found it into the creative and the rest is history. It's it was sort of the, you know, a blessing in disguise, as stressful and, and as difficult as it was when it happened. Mm. It kind of gave me the push that I needed because in my head I always kept saying to myself, oh, just a few more years of experience and then you'll be ready. But I don't think you're ever ready to make that
0: call consciously
1: or, you know, I wasn't anyway. So that's, that's essentially
0: how I ended up here. That's awesome. Yeah. There's definitely no right time at all. Um, No. What was it specifically that you observed in your traditional marketing jobs that you kind of looked at and were like, I definitely don't want to bring that with me or, you know, that kind of thing? Um, I think for me it was mostly um, and particularly
1: in that agency model when working with various clients, I feel like the focus was just to to get clients on a retainer and it was just get them on a retainer and get them to sign the contract and there wasn't anything really personalised about what was being delivered. It just felt like we were taking a cookie-cutter approach and going, yeah, bang, this is what you need, just get the money in through the door and we can do this. And And there was also... A lot of, you know, if it wasn't on the retainer, it would be, oh, well, we have to build the client extra. We have to build the client extra. And to me, that just feels like, what? Well, why are we, why are we doing this? You know, isn't the point of actually, you know, there's nothing more satisfying for me than a happy client and a good story and success. And I think that when that happens, naturally you're going to grow with the client I just hated the approach of pushing for, to, to lock them into a retainer and then just making a very uncomfortable experience in general. So yeah, that was that is essentially what I, I left far behind.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That you can you had that experience of obviously working at a traditional marketing agency and being able to kind of like create your own perfect recipe of what you wanted the experience with a client to be like. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Yeah. So talking about MZ Creative, tell all the people listening, like, what is the mission of MZ Creative? What is the purpose? How do you kind of describe what you do to people? So I guess
1: with, with MZ Creative, um, the, the goal is to make the experience of, of working with a marketing agency and, and, and creatives in general as comfortable as possible for, for the clients and the brands. And we really like to involve them in the process um, and, and to keep essentially all the services under the one roof. So mm. I, I the last thing I want to do when working with a client and, you know, needs come up, sometimes you don't identify everything in the beginning and you might get to a few months down the track and say, well, we actually need to design some new assets or we need to build a new landing page on the website or we need this or we need that. And the last thing I want to do is say, oh, well, go off and find a web developer or go off and find a graphic designer. Uh, I have, uh, we, you know, we, we have all of this within within our team or we do partner with with other experts who, you know, who specialize in these fields. So I guess that's the beauty of it, that from the client perspective, they come in and they don't have to worry about like, oh, great, what next? Like who will I then have to go to mm. next and how much money is it going to cost me? It is all done in-house and we do sort of have solutions for, for every digital problem. So I think that is essentially what, what we pride ourselves on. And in terms of the work that I do with clients, I... I generally work with clients from a strategic perspective. So working on long-term marketing strategies um, that are in line with achieving the the overall business objectives. So I would be responsible for um, the the research and the development of the marketing strategies and definitely sometimes the implementation as well. That part always varies. So sometimes the the client likes to implement the strategy themselves. They might have um, an internal marketing team that just simply needed guidance and we were checking on a monthly basis for consultation and then other times they want everything done for them. They don't want to have anything to do with marketing. They're like, please take this off my plate. <laughs> and, and we can absolutely do that as well. So we kind of cater to both ends of the extreme, but every client is, is completely different. And I guess we we really like to take a personal approach. Um, So I, I personally, I like to stay close. I feel that I have a great responsibility to my clients when we start working together. So the key objectives that I said at the beginning are always front of mind. And like I said before, nothing gives me more joy than a happy client. So mm. for me, once I, I don't rush to to sign on any client, I don't rush to just work with anyone for the sake of having, you know, a long list of clients. I like to know that we align on, on the same sort of, you know, uh, objectives and that we then can work closely together.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I think more and more people are just yearning for that personable approach. Like I'm the same in my business as well. I have my personal phone number on my website. Like, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Probably, I don't know. We'll see if that lasts a long time or not, but I just do. I like the fact that people can call me and they can email me, they can, you know, reach me however they like. Um, and I'm there with them throughout the entire project, you know, if they need to communicate anything to me. So I think it's nice that you have also that really personable approach. And this actually leads well into my next question because there are a few brands that you work with on an ongoing um, basis. Um, And like the example that we were chatting about before is Bianco, who we both work with, which is fun, Um, Perth-based jewellery brand. So how do you kind of, I guess, how do you kind of structure this brand management? Because I can imagine that, there probably are a lot of people listening, a lot of people out there that want someone like you to, you know, be on their side in business, you know, on a weekly basis, on an ongoing basis where you can kind of talk about marketing with and work on those strategies. So how does your relationship with those ongoing clients um, like Bianco kind of work? Yes.
1: Yeah, so we'll, we'll use Bianco as it's a perfect example because like I said before, it, it varies with each and every client, but We'll use Bella and Bianco because she's such a wonderful client. She is. <laughs> um, I guess the, the way it works is, you know, and and mind you, we're you know we're working on opposite uh, sides of the country, so it's it, it has its challenges. And God, I wish the travel restrictions would let us uh, see each other and work together more often. But a couple of times a year, we do have bigger workshops where we'll spend half the day together, and that will be essentially working on the marketing strategy. Um, and and we do it in a collaborative approach because Belle is obviously so, so hands-on with her business and she's always wanting to learn more and she's always wanting to sort of, you know, do as much as she can on her side as well. So it's a very collaborative approach um, with Bianco. So a couple of times a year we have these big um, workshops where we work on the strategy. So we essentially work on the strategy at the beginning of the year and then review it um, halfway through the year just to make sure that we're still, we're on track. We're, we're hitting our KPIs and, and you know, we're, we're doing what we set out to do at the start of the year. Um, and then on a weekly basis, we essentially catch up once a week. We, I develop a marketing uh, plan and a calendar off the back of the strategy. And then essentially we go, okay, this is this is what I'm executing. I'm responsible for the blogs, the EDMs, um, a, a portion of the content. And then she'll go and, you know, work on obviously on the collections and on the, on the side of the business that she works on. But we work on a calendar basis and we catch up once a week essentially to go, okay, what are we doing this week? What have we done? What did we do last week? How did that perform? What are we doing this week? And what's the plan for next week? So it's really easy in that way that we're kind of, you know, both um, it, were checking checking in at the right time, mm. and you know it. It hasn't been. We, we thought that you know the 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 restrictions and not being able to actually come together to have these workshops would be an issue, but it it hasn't. The the bigger issue has been we wanted to hang out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you want to just grab coffee together, of course. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh, hopefully soon. Well, I hope that, I hope that answers,
1: answers that question as uh, yeah as simply as possible
0: yeah i've just always been so curious about how a brand can sort of utilize someone like you who offers you know this brand management service so thank you for sharing a bit about that insight it just sounds like such a dream to have like a personal little marketing it's kind of like you're part of her team at the end of the day um yeah. but in a way she is outsourcing you as well and how many kind of clients can you have on your um brand management ongoing basis because um, you you can't you know work with too many clients at once. so how do no. you kind of manage your workload? Of course. so it, it it really
1: depends on who um who needs what and 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 when when it comes to that execution, who wants me. so a lot of the times the you know I can I can have as many as let's say, 10 clients, if all they require is that once a month catch up where they go, okay, have we done the right thing this month? Tell us what to do. That obviously takes a lot less time. Someone like a client like Belle, that would probably be, you know, three clients like that a week. So I guess it it varies every mm. single time. And sometimes, you know, I'll have a relationship with a client for a couple of years and then they get to a, a stage of growth where they actually need to hire Uh, A full-time marketing person, so we kind of go, you know, you're you're on your own now. The kids are off to kids, you know, flying the coop. They're off home, so it's it's bittersweet. But I guess that that's essentially how it works. It always it always changes, Mm -hmm. Um, you know. So I can go anywhere from having sort of five or six clients that I work closely with to 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 about ten. So Mm -hmm. it's it's always in between there.
0: Yeah, and do you kind of have a preference in terms of the types of industries that your clients are in, Bianco? Being a jewellery brand, and you've worked with—I guess you've worked with quite a variety of brands. But do you kind of specialize in a specific industry, or can you work with sort of anyone?
1: So I—I I absolutely don't. My my clientele at the moment is very varied, and I guess um, having had that um, breadth of experience when I when I did work within agencies and and also in in house in certain departments. Um, I, you know, I work really closely with um, a couple of HR tech brands as well. So, which is, you know, completely different. It's, you know, it's, it's corporate, it's recruitment, it's B2B marketing. Mm. And then I work with, um, with fashion brands or, you know, lifestyle brands as well. So the, um, yeah, the the variety is definitely there. I I don't necessarily have a a specialty for, for one, you know, one industry. Um, I guess the, the only thing that I have noticed is that while definitely strategies will change and differ, the foundations of marketing mm. still to apply across across the board, you know, the, the goals are there, whether you're trying to get more customers to buy your jewelry or whether you're trying to get more signups for, you know, a, a, a tech demo, mm. the goal is the same. It's to raise brand awareness. So now that the, the ways we do it are obviously different, but it makes my job a lot more fun because I kind of, you know, I, I get to, to experience all of these different things. And then sometimes I, I might even apply something from a, you know, completely different industry where I go, this was really successful here. And I, I know that it's a different industry, but perhaps if we tweak it, it could work here. So mm. it's, it's been really beneficial.
0: Yeah. That's so cool that you can learn from, from different spaces and, yeah, something that maybe like a real you would never think of using for a corporate company. Then you're like, well, hang on, maybe yeah. it could work because it's working so well for this lifestyle brand.
1: Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And we've seen it happen so much with, with content. We've seen, you know, lawyers and doctors go absolutely viral with their TikTok accounts just because they've changed the format in which they're delivering it. So mm. you kind of go, why not?
0: <laughs> yeah, that's so true. There's a space for everyone on social platforms these days um so MC creative does offer a range of services and as i was telling before we started recording there's just no way that we could get through everything you know and keep it kind of under an hour for this podcast but i did Uh want to chat about three main services that you offer and just learn more about it because as i mentioned at the very beginning often when you're a creative person like myself who Uh has a passion for that creative thing, whether it's designing logos or taking photos, um, you know, doing pattern making and making clothes. And then you kind of start this business and you then you become a business owner and then you have this hat that comes on your head that's like the marketing person now and you're like, oh crap, I actually don't know how to do this and that is me. Yeah. So and I'm sure that you know a lot of people listening can relate to this. So I'm so excited to kind of learn more about these um three different areas of marketing, social me- social media and online PR with you. Um and let's yeah. start with marketing because I know that is kind of your specialty and it's the the thing that you um you know do the most with your clients because As you mentioned, sometimes for things like PR, you do collaborate with different agencies to bring the best solution to your clients. When it comes to digital marketing, you've mentioned putting together these strategies for your clients. I, I have no idea what you mean by like marketing strategy. Can you give us an example of maybe, you know, a broad strategy that a lot of businesses could implement? Like, I know it's hard because every business is different, but can you kind of explain a little bit more about how you would put together a marketing strategy for a client?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll try and I'll try and keep it broad because mm-hmm. I could sit here and talk to you I'll talk at you for three hours. <laughs> um I think one of the and, and this is a really a uh, great question actually because I think that what's happening a lot, especially now that uh everyone has access to 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 social media, to, to the internet and we're inundated with information, um, it's really easy to get uh, distracted by sort of shining new digital objects, new platforms and you know, yeah. and look, marketers, marketers love new trends. And um you know, I'm the first to say it. We love being on sort of the leading edge of new platforms and technologies and and you know testing and playing around with everything. But the truth of it is that majority of business growth still comes from foundational tools in digital marketing. So and, and that is essentially going back down to your why. So every time I start working with a client and and we start working on a strategy, my first question is, what is your why? What is your point of difference? You know, do you know do you know who your customer is? You know, so we we build customer personas. We we really nail down that brand messaging because once you are absolutely certain of that as a brand. It's much easier to to speak it and to speak it consistently as well because that is so important. If you're not sure of your why, and you're not sure of you know who your tribe is and who you're marketing to, it's your content will be all over the place mm-hmm. and your brand messaging will by being aimed at sort of everyone, it'll it, no one it will be speaking to no one. So, yeah. you know, we we work on that and then we start on um, building out um, customer personas. So really looking at who who that audience is and where they're spending their time, what kind of content they're consuming and what it is that that they want to engage with. Um, Once we get to know that, we also analyse the competitors. So we look at, you know, I always say it's it's more important to know your competitors than you know yourself essentially because you need to know what you're up against and it's a great way to stay ahead, stay ahead of the curve. It gives you the ability to essentially make your competitor's weakness your marketing strength. So it's it's something that we we really spend a lot of time looking at and and something that we are consistently doing. Comparing you know comparing yourself with an aim to analyze and improve, not to copy, <laughs> obviously, but um, it, it's it is really important. So you know we we work on those really on those basics, we we do a SWOT analysis, which is your, you know, strength, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. So understanding, you know, what your strengths are of your business, where you may have any weaknesses, um, where you might have future opportunities for development and then any threats to your business. I think looking at that model is really important as well because then you kind of go, okay, I can play to my strengths, this is how I'm going to reassure the audience about the weaknesses and you know this is how I'm going to plan out for any future opportunities and any future threats that may come my way. So it's kind of like your your key guide. And then when we when we do all of this, um, all of these sort of basics, we then start looking at the analytics. So if there if the brain is already established, we start to look at okay, so if you do have even the tiniest customer base, what do they look like? What are they engaging with already on your website or on your social media platforms? You know, what does um, what does it, what do people love about your products so that we can then start to build out the individual strategies? So when I say marketing strategy, that essentially encompasses a content strategy, um, a a social media strategy. Um, email marketing strategies so they all sit within that separately because they are all essentially you know separate pieces of work that will go on to be done um, but they all work so cohesively together and mm. you know it's so important for a brand to have all these you know as a brand we have so many multiple touch points you've got email you've got the store for your website potentially a storefront social media and I guess you really need consistency in your messaging across all of these touch points so that is that is basically the, the you know that's it in a very basic overview. I don't want to continue talking at you. Um, I hope that sort of uh, explains how how that strategy comes about.
0: Yeah, that is so interesting. It's actually I find it really fun, you know, I think a lot of people can maybe think about marketing and think, oh, it's dull, it's corporate, but it actually doesn't have to be. That to me, everything you just said sounds like a lot of fun to kind of work through yeah. you know each process like you said looking internal and then looking externally at your target audience and your competitors and then I guess once you've done that initial foundational strategy work with your client then would you kind of be able to tell okay well your clients are spending all of their time on Instagram let's work on doing some paid ads on Instagram or you know crazy idea your client's your clients listen to a lot of radio because they're maybe older, so let's run a radio ad. Like, would you kind of then put that into actual content? Yes, and yeah,
1: absolutely, absolutely. So essentially, the the rule of thumb that I go by is always wherever your audience is spending the most amount of time organically, that's where you want to put some put some spend behind. So if they're already engaging with you know Insta, your Instagram content, if they you new invest in some advertising, you're just going to obviously and, and target it and in the right approach. You're only going to reach more people that you know are already loving what you have to offer. So you know put put money behind what's doing well organically and then figure out what isn't and how you can if and how you can make that better.
0: Mm. there are so
1: there are so many different avenues. Yeah.
0: Yeah, well that's I would love to know actually what you think about this because there are so many different avenues and a lot of people have the attitude, I think, I don't know how they kind of phrase it, but they say, you know, pick one or two platforms and do those really well. And then other people will say, no, like you should be on YouTube. You should be on Facebook. You should be on Clubhouse, TikTok, Instagram. You should be on every platform. What is your philosophy around that? Uh,
1: My philosophy is you need to be on the platforms where your audience is. Mm. So if your audience is you know, on TikTok, on Instagram, on YouTube, well then you should be as well. Mm. So that's where building those customer personas is really important because we won't know until until we do that and until we see where they're spending their time and what they're interested in engaging with, we won't know where to find them and where to sort of engage them in in with with our content. So it is really important. I, I have a lot of this conversation with um with a lot of brands who are really sort of tiptoeing around the TikTok platform, they're really, they're just, they're too afraid to jump in. They go, I I have no idea what I'm doing. It's not on brand. You know, we've, we've done all this work to build a, a, a brand on, you know, social medias, platforms like Instagram and Facebook and our website. And now what are we supposed to do on TikTok? How do we just jump on trends? But if your audience is there and the TikTok audience is, is growing and changing by the minute, basically, if your audience is under the age of 30, you you should be on, on TikTok. <laughs> um, and, you know, I think the minute I say to, to any of my clients, um, the minute I mentioned the, the engagement rate of micro-influencers on TikTok compared to Instagram, they kind of go, what? So, the engagement rate of micro influencers on TikTok is 18% in comparison to Instagram's 3%. That's a 500% increase. Yeah. So, I mean, that is enormous and that's not something you want to be missing out on. And it is a a rapidly expanding platform. And as as we were sort of saying before in our chat, that short-form video is only rising in popularity because people's attention spans are getting shorter and they want things they can consume really quickly, bite-sized video content. And, you know, it is it is just something that you want to be getting on top of. Don't be too afraid to have a little fun with it. You don't need to stay on brand on every platform, particularly on platforms like TikTok and even Instagram Reels. You can be a little bit goofy. You can, you know, be, be a little bit more uh, human on these platforms, mm. not necessarily this perfectly curated brand. It has worked well for, you know, um, massive massive airlines you know they, they they have a TikTok presence they sort of have a bit of fun with it and you would think well how do they get on you know what are they doing on there what but they do so perhaps if you if you're unsure about these platforms explore see whether your competitors are on them see what they're doing again we go back to what are the competitors doing you know what are the what are your you know I always I always ask my clients is there is there a competitor that you wish you were like maybe they weren't um, maybe they're not quite within, you know, a direct competitor, but anyone who is fighting for the attention of your audience is a competitor. They Mm. might not sell directly to the the, the same product, but for example, if we talk about Bianco and jewelry, fashion brands are also a competitor because, you know, are you going to spend money on a dress or on jewelry? We're we're going for the same audience. So it's an indirect competitor. Yeah. So have a look at, you know, is there someone that you really aspire to be like? What are they doing? you know how could you be doing it better so that's that's essentially how I look at these platforms don't be on every platform for the sake of it because if you're not producing quality for it it's just pointless so yeah analyze analyze what's happening where is your audience what are the competitors doing and then form, mm-hmm. formulate a plan around that
0: yeah that's and it's so funny how you brought up that example of the airline because i think that is such a good good example because it just shows that whatever business you're in whatever industry you're in you can produce content that will talk to your ideal customer and hopefully make them you know turn them into actually leads and actual paying customers um exactly. and short-term video content has only just started recently like it's not that yeah. old of a thing compared to posting on your feed on Instagram, for example, that's been happening for almost a decade now. I mean, obviously in 2012, it wasn't brands, but, you know, the actual act of posting on the feed has been around for so long. But then things like Reels have only just, wasn't it in 2020 or something that Reels became a feature? That was two years.
1: TikTok TikTok boomed in 2020 Mm. when everyone went into lockdown. Mm. It kind of, it was always around, but it was a much, much younger demographic. It was, you know, teenagers, and then, you know, us older folk got onto it and we, we sort of sat back and went, hmm, what is this? It looks interesting. And we got addicted. Yeah. The numbers show that we're not coming off the platform and there's more and more users and the age brackets are growing. Um, and, you know, I've seen some brilliant TikTok influencers that are in their 50s and 60s. So it really, there is really a place for everyone on every platform. Do you know what? It's, it's incredible. To see.
0: I I came across, this is so weird. Well, it's weird and and also incredible and hilarious. This TikTok account is for gay grandpas, like grandparents, four gay dudes, and they make these hilarious. And I'm honestly, I'm talking, they're like, wait, you've seen them? I've seen them. They are comedy gold. (laughs) (laughs) They really are. It's come up on my For You page before, and there's just these four older dudes. And obviously they're so flamboyant and they're so incredible with what they're wearing and so brave. You know, sometimes I'll just strip down in their underwear, like it's just crazy, yeah. and I I love it. I'm here for it, and I I know. Yeah, it's so funny. But yeah, yeah do you, do you ever get clients that maybe have a bit of backlash that they're like, well, they kind of associate TikTok with that kind of dancing, you know, taking the piss kind of thing? And do you find it hard to perhaps convince your clients that there is real business opportunity on the platform, or sometimes do you just kind of go, you know, I'm not going to bother trying to convince, convince you if you're not going to, you know, try it out, that kind of thing.
1: Uh, look, I've I've been, I've definitely had pushback in, uh, in clients saying, Oh, don't think it's for us. We're not going to get up and, and do dancing challenges and, you know, X, Y, Z. But I think that when I present the evidence that they very quickly change their minds or at least rotate open up to the idea because the evidence is is really there that there have been so many successful brands that by sort of being a little bit cheeky, a little bit off brand, a little bit more human have seen so much success and you know sometimes uh clients will say to me well we don't see how we're going to uh get any customers from TikTok or we don't see the point of it but The point isn't always necessarily getting customers. The point is brand awareness as well. So you want to be front of mind, even if they're not going to make a purchase from you or, you know, interact with you or or require your services instantly. You want to be front of mind. And that might take a couple of years. They might not be, you know, your target demographic right now but if they're aware of your brand, the brand awareness is there, well then guess who's, you know, who the first brand they're going to contact when they need X, Y, or Z is going to be, it's going to be you. So it's not necessarily always, you know, the the ROI isn't very clear cut. Sometimes it is brand awareness. And Mm. I think that's just as equally as important.
0: Yeah. Brand awareness is huge. And it's interesting to think about brands that we always seem to see whether it's an ad or whether it's on our phones or on a billboard and I think it's interesting to notice who are those brands that we are always seeing like right now I don't know about you but I'm seeing the hbf ads everywhere well maybe it's because I'm in WA. yeah Yeah,
1: Yeah. I've been
0: seeing the you know ads of all the dancing quackers everywhere and it's like if I'm gonna think of if I didn't already have health insurance, private health insurance, if I was going to think of who I was going to go with, it's almost like my mind would immediate immediately go to them because I'm seeing them everywhere. You know, it's crazy. Exactly. And one example I always give is compare
1: the market, the meerkats. Like everybody knows the meerkats, and we we all used to laugh about them and go, "What is this? Like this? You know, meerkat with the Russian accent?" But Tell me you haven't used Compare the Market before <laughs> because I certainly have.
0: <laughs> Definitely. Maybe that's the trick, to, th- to pick a little cute little fluffy animal and just make them your brand ambassador. <laughs> yes, precisely.
1: Have a, have a jingle, have something that stands out. <laughs> and, you know, it, it's all about getting people talking. And, for you know, there are so many examples like I, I always talk about. It's like, you know, when Be- Vegemite did Vegemite 2.0 and everyone was talking about it and then, they literally just did that for as as a you know PR activity as a, as a marketing mm. activity to get a bit more hype you know or when Pizza Shapes removed the flavor you can see from their you know shapes and you know everyone was rushing out to buy the last packets of mm. flavor but you know back now it was just such a short term exercise but it's all about kind of you know these things that get people talking or get people going okay cool you know you're front of mind you're you're doing something to stay relevant in front of your audience.
0: Mm. Definitely. Um, I wanted to touch, we've obviously talked so much about marketing and I love it all. And a big part of marketing for brands these days is email marketing. And again, a lot of people listening to this might have no idea kind of what it's all about. And I would love for you to kind of tell us, you know, how do we know if email marketing is going to benefit our businesses and how do we know kind of what we should be talking I think that I think the issue with email marketing is people just don't know what to send out to customers. Mm-hmm. Like do they just talk about what services they offer? Specifically for service-based businesses businesses. I know for product-based businesses it's so much easier probably to talk about what sale you're having or maybe mention like a feature product. But specifically for service-based businesses, how can they kind of attack email marketing? So
1: the, the best way to attack email marketing is to make sure that you're segmenting your audience from the mm. beginning. So from the mm. moment you get them in on your mark on your email list, essentially, I, ideally, you would be getting people to sign up to your email list with, you know, you'd, you'd have your magnet, your, your lead magnet, right? So for a service base, that might be uh, some sort of real valuable piece of content, a report, some you know something that you can share that that shows that you have some knowledge, something that's valuable. So that's sort of what gets people on the ma- on the email list. Then once they're on the list, your first sort of welcome series, essentially, that's what people should be going to. And in that welcome series, that is your uh, that is what you use to segment. Than all of your um, or all of the, the audience that you have on your marketing. So you would have, for example, um, in the welcome you might have uh, to begin with, like, these are our top performing pieces of, you know, pieces of content. It's sort of like the, uh, it, it's, it's really going to differ for for everyone and it's, it's going to be different based on the service that you're offering. But it might be like, you know, this is really useful. Like, for example, our, you know, top five best performing uh, reels or, things you could be doing differently on Instagram or X, Y, and Z. And then you start to see you might have one focused around Instagram, one focused around TikTok, one focused around email marketing. And then you see what people are clicking on and that's how you start to segment them because you then get an understanding of what they're interested in. Right. And then once you get an understanding of what they're interested in, then you know what to market to them because you have watched their behavior. So mm-hmm. it's really important to, to start that at the very beginning of the, of the, Email marketing process because you watch their behavior and what they're interacting with, and then you give them more of that.
0: So you are so sneaky.
1: <laughs> it is. You're not necessarily blasting everyone with the same information because not everyone's interested in the same information. You're just giving people what what they want and what they've you know interacted with. And email platforms, you know, from from Mailchimp to to Klaviyo, they they have such intricate sort of you know segmentation uh, rules. So you can really get down to, you know, the nitty gritty. So that's essentially how you would be doing it as opposed to just sitting there going, oh God, what do I send these people now They've come to me and I don't know what to send them. Yeah. It's, it's more like working out a strategy around that welcome series based on what you're offering and then using the welcome series to watch their behavior and then feed them off into channels that they're interested in.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. That's such a good piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that. that yeah. I'm sure that can just give people just a, a starting point, you know, and then like you said, just watch the behavior and, and grow your email yeah. marketing from there. Um, exactly. So we've touched on marketing, we've touched on social media and the last kind of area that I would love to hear a bit from, uh, from you about is online PR. So this is a service that you offer at MZ Creative. Um, first of all, can you kind of explain what online PR is and how brands can actually leverage this for their business?
1: Yes. So the reason I've called it online PR is because I didn't want it to get too confused with sort of traditional PR and, and I didn't want people thinking that we are a a PR agency. We're not. We do work with a brilliant PR agency very closely for more sort of that traditional PR. So, you know, um, media placement, uh, press releases and all the rest. Now, when I talk about online PR, I talk about the grey area that we have kind of come to see over the last five or so years, which is your influencer marketing. So that is essentially PR because it is, you are getting uh, people who are trusted by their audiences to promote and to talk about your service. So it's essentially, you know, the modern day version of a magazine placement, except with, you know, with the the exact right person you want to be talking to. So we do facilitate those those um, relationships and those conversations. So we can do everything from, from prepping media kits that you might send out to media as well. So, you know, um, we can work with you to to prep a media kit of, you know, if you have a latest collection, send it out a press release, send that out, um, contact influencers as well, um, develop that relationship, facilitate um, the, the contracts there as well because it is quite necessary. We found that in the early days of what was just, um, uh, I guess, based around gifting and goodwill, a lot of people wouldn't follow through. So... Um, you know brands were like well I've, I've lost so much because I've sent and um, gifted all of this and, and nothing's come through so I guess we come into to really facilitate that and to make sure that both parties are happy and also w- we know in influencers that are great to work with we know ones that you know we've worked with before we, we keep a tidy list of you know who who's good to work with and who sort of has a, a black mark against their name and you know <laughs> so I guess having Having had that experience definitely helps, but that's essentially where that online PR sits. And also, um, you know, pitching to so many online publications as well. So you know, you've got you've got bloggers, you've got you know um, online magazines that that you know do feature these sort of articles. So it's pitching to them as well, which is just that, you know, while traditional um, PR agencies do it as well. I guess we can kind of facilitate and look after the basics before referring you on to a a PR agency.
0: Mm, That is so, such a good little nugget of information. Again, you are just delivering the best advice and (laughs) content today. I'm like learning so much in my head. I'm like, maybe I need to put together a media kit for my podcast and like send that to, I don't know. It's so funny. I was in the shower this morning and I was thinking of Frankie magazine because I know a lot of people, a lot of creative people read Frankie. So I'm like, oh, maybe I need to get featured in this magazine somehow so yeah I think it's such a cool idea that you know people listening to this can start to think about well you know like you said what publications kind of relate to my business and where can I possibly get featured because I think people are focusing like 95% of their time on Instagram but maybe doing this kind of thing could be even more worth it to expose yourself to a bigger audience. And I know, for example, you know, wedding photographers, for them it's a huge deal to get featured in Hello May, um, which is a wedding um, print magazine. So, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't think many wedding photographers actually focus their time on that. They were more focusing on TikTok and Instagram. So I think it's such an important topic to to speak, speak about. Absolutely. So I'm so glad you mentioned that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know,
1: as with anything, don't put all of your eggs in one basket. You, you really need to look at, at all the different avenues and and see what you can do there. That's, you know, obviously within your means.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I know that some influencers can cost a lot of money to, you know, to get on their stories on their feed. So it's definitely worth a bit of research and yeah.
1: Absolutely. And, and some are, you know, some are absolutely worth every penny and then, and then some, and then, you know, some you kind of go or hang on a minute, what, you know, what am I getting out of this? And there's also, you know, I guess, with, with our knowledge, we, we can also uh, implement certain things such as, you know, well, let's, let's actually track the metrics, you know, through, Uh, a dedicated link let's see you know if we share a discount code with them let's actually see their return on investment if we have invested money into them so that we can kind of hold them accountable but also know where you know what our money has gotten us as Mm. opposed to just going okay I paid you for a post and sure I got lots of likes but by from who (laughs) Mm. you know
0: for sure. And actually I've just remembered one thing again, talking about Bianca, who you have worked with. And I remember that in December, um, Bianca was featured on the shameless podcast, um, gifting guide. And I thought that was just huge, you know, because obviously I'm sure everyone knows shameless, but if you don't, you know, they're one of the biggest podcasts in Australia, millions and millions of listeners, uh, on Instagram, you know, over a hundred thousand followers on Instagram, you know, they have an email list as well. I don't know how many, I don't know how many people they have yeah. in there, but it's probably huge. 000, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, getting one of your clients on their gift giving guide, was that something that you were involved with or?
1: No, so absolutely cannot take credit for that. Oh. we with a brilliant agency called one Two, And yeah, they, they were absolutely responsible for that. So they were doing a whole sort of, um, you know end of year end of year feature so yeah they and they've done an absolutely you know brilliant job and they they do have some really great and this is what when we do sort of say we work with and, you know we partner with really brilliant um agencies or you know sort of partners as i like to call them they really do what what we can't so their connections and their you know um their contacts are are absolutely going to take you to that next level. So yeah. I can't take credit for that, but that was absolutely brilliant.
0: <laughs> yeah, I remember seeing it and I was like, wow, that is that is so, so mega huge for her and for the brand. Oh, amazing. Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. amazing. It, it is so great as well that you are kind of noticing where your strengths are and realising that you can't obviously provide everything for your clients and you are partnering with these, you know, third-party partners and agencies mm-hmm. and things like that. I think that's something that I'm realizing more and more in my own business at uh, Coco Studio, yeah. you know, when I'm offering things like web design and, you know, I'm trying to do all the coding and all the back end Cause I, I don't know, I guess I don't I haven't really figured out how to collaborate with a web developer yet, but it is something that I'm mm. putting on my list of goals for 2022 is how can I actually, you know, collaborate with a developer who can provide my client with just such much a a much better website because at the end of the day, I am not a coder and I never will be. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. You, you learn to focus on your strengths and, you know, your strengths are more on the creative side. So you go, okay, instead of trying to do it all because you can, you can do it all, but not well. So, you know, instead <laughs> of trying to do it all, focus on your strengths and, and partner with people who, you know, who can do the other half of the work because mm. you'll end up with something so much more magical than, you know, initially just, you know, trying to sort of handle it all, all by yourself. Mm,
0: definitely. So before we wrap up, you've obviously been your own boss for six years, right? Or yes. yeah, six years. Six so years. what are some habits, what are some good boss habits that you've kind of picked up over the years that keep you healthy and happy in business? I think some of the key things
1: for me are planning. I, I, you know, if I don't have a plan, I'm I'm a mess and I literally have like, I, I could pull them all out right now. I have, you know, three different working to-do lists, you know, I sort of have, and particularly when you're, when I'm managing so many different clients and different deadlines. So for me, being organized is right at the top of my list. And I find that when I take about an hour or two on a Sunday to prepare for the week ahead, that is just, Future Mina is very grateful because she's not there on a Monday going, oh, no, what do I do now? So I like to kind of split my to-do lists into like a urgent and immediate this needs to be done tomorrow no matter what happens and then like a this sort of needs to be done this week and then a this is this is all of the things you need to do. So that's, that's, that's one of the things that's really helped me. Um, but also in saying that making – making time for for me and and for a break. So every, every day, you know, my lunch, my lunch break is I take my dog out to the park, we have a play, I'll have, you know, my lunch and a coffee. And it feels like a really nice sort of break to the day. And then Mm. I go, okay, I'm back into it now, as opposed to I found that earlier on in my in my, you know, self-management, I was constantly pushing myself to just go, go, go. And I felt so guilty taking a break and I felt so guilty even just going to run for coffee. I'm like, oh, no, but you have things to do. And that just led to burnout. And, you know, so now I've, I've definitely learned that it's, it's okay. you you get far, you know, far further ahead when you actually do take time to just take a breath. You know, sometimes I'll sit there and I'll, I'll think to myself, my, my brain just isn't functioning. I'm not pr- producing quality work and I'll take the time, you know, I'll go for a walk, I'll go grab a coffee. I'll even sometimes sit down and read, you know, my book for half an hour, just to completely snap out of the headspace that I'm in. And then I'll return to it and I go, I'm actually much more productive now than if I had sat here the last 30 minutes trying to just do work for the sake of it.
0: Yeah, that is such a good habit that I think everyone should implement. And I am definitely, definitely guilty of just eating lunch at my desk, you know, whether Mm -hmm. I'm, whether I'm working still or whether I'm watching a Netflix show, I just think even if you are yeah. watching a Netflix show, just the fact that I'm still sitting at my desk at my work environment is just not good. So yeah, yeah I'm definitely going to try and implement those habits of yours because I think it's so worth it. And it's kind of like, you know, fueling up your car with petrol every fortnight, your car's going to run out if yeah. you don't do it. And you kind of have to remember exactly. to treat your brain and your, you know, your, your, yeah, your brain the same by taking that time out and refueling with something other than just work all the time. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. And I found that I was more likely to do it when I started actually putting these very simple things into my calendar. So before I would always reserve my calendar for only work-related things, whereas now I mm. actually will put in a, a 12.30 to one thirty, you know, dog park, and that's it. So when that pops up, I'm like, I'm going now. That's it. I'm doing it. It's an appointment. (laughs) As opposed to being like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll keep, because when I didn't, I would just power through and then I'd be like, Mm. oh, it's already three o'clock. It's too late now. I'll just have a quick lunch while I work. And then, you know, I'll get to the end of the day and I'll feel like a mess. Mm. So I think, you know, putting these things in, uh, into my calendar, you know, I'll even, I even have uh, the most, you know, ridiculous things in my calendar, such as like stretch at you know 7 30 p.m like honestly look at my calendar really you need a reminder to stretch (laughs) even showering is in there sometimes so no it's not oh my god it really is yeah I know not that I need reminders to shower I feel like that makes me
0: (laughs) (laughs) really bad that is so funny I (laughs) I don't go to the extent of like putting (sighs) stretch time in but I definitely put in into my calendar, you know, when I'm going to go for a run and, you know, exercise and, and my lunch break. I actually do also yeah. put in my lunch break in my calendar. It's nice as well because in if you use Google mm-hmm. Calendar, you, you get that little notification like 30 minutes before the event yeah. starts and it's like, you've got lunch in half an hour. I'm like, oh, thanks, Google, for reminding me.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're, oh, thank you. Um, I'll be there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Just me, myself and I and my dog, if you have one. <laughs> you're lucky enough to have a little puppy. Um, gosh, it has been so fun chatting with you. I have loved this, you know, I'm, I'm often talking about more, you know, creative side of business with a lot of my guests. So I've just loved chatting more about the business and the marketing and the PR. They're just such interesting things that I think businesses really need if you want to keep growing and stay alive and, you know, keep it sustainable. So thank you for sharing all of those amazing bits of wisdom with us. Um, Where can people find you if they want to get more of your content?
1: Oh, firstly, it was my absolute pleasure. I feel like we could just stay online and chat for the next three hours. So this was so much fun. (laughs) Um, If people want to find me, um, there is my, obviously my business Instagram. So Imsi Creative, I aim to share daily tips uh, for brands there Uh, all the time so just things that you can really small nuggets that you can implement really easily Um, so yeah or otherwise you can check out the services that I offer on imzycreative.com so yeah I look forward to sort of you know anyone who's got any questions as well I'm, I'm always happy to help and have a chat through so I think that's one of my favorite things ever since starting the Instagram page is that when people do come in with questions I'm just so happy to go well it's yeah, this is what, this is what it is. Like, mm. it's really nice to sort of have, you know, engage and, and have these conversations with, with both pe- you know, the individuals and the brands. So yeah, that's, that's me.
0: That's so lovely. Well, I will have everything linked in the show notes for people if they want to check all of that out. Thank you again for coming on and thank you to Everyone that's been listening to this amazing episode, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of amazing golden nuggets from this. Um, as always, make sure to follow at Good Boss Podcast because you know I'm doing all that marketing content on that social media platform. So um, check it out there to see some videos and some behind the scenes of the process of the podcast making world which is a lot of fun and if you enjoy the episode make sure to give it a review and a rating and if you're listening on apple or spotify make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes chat to you soon